0: So let's talk about Kanye, (laughs) all right? I've read a lot of articles this week and tweets and seen some interviews. It seems like everyone has an opinion on Kanye right now, all right? His newfound faith, his album, just him in general. Uh, so I'm not going to be here like giving a whole talk on my opinion of Kanye. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, but I'll tell you, I have been enjoying his album. All right. I've been, I've been really liking it. And there's a couple of quotes from the songs that I actually want to start off with because they pretty much summarize uh, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And so these are some uh, quotes from his songs that I've really enjoyed so far. This first one is from God is. It says, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Oh, and I'm not going to wrap them to clarify. Um, for all y'all's sake, I'm not going to do that, all right? Uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all the things he has in store, from the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. It's from the song God is, right? That's good. Uh, and then this next one, it says, Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living. For the culture, we nobody's slave. I bow down to the king upon the throne. My life is his. I'm no longer my own. So it's from Closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A? You're my Chick-fil-A. All right. <laughs> I don't get that still, honestly. I, don't, I think I read a couple of theories on it, and everyone disagrees on that, too. Um, so, uh, But what we're going to be doing tonight, actually, is talking about what the Bible says... About Jesus being King. So let's start off by praying. Dear Lord, uh, I thank you so much uh, for being King. Uh, I thank you so much for your ability to work in people's lives uh, and just to radically transform them, uh, to help us through our daily lives. And I just thank you for so, uh, being so awesome and powerful uh, and um, at the same time, really caring about us each individually. I praise things in Jesus' name, amen. So your very first uh, blank right there on your paper is Jesus is king, all right? I got real creative with that one, okay? Jesus is king uh, is the first one, but I I I did that purposefully. Uh, Check out Revelation 17, 14. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, is Lord of lords and king of kings. This is reality, This is who Jesus is. Jesus is king. He is Lord. He rules over literally everything. So if Jesus is king, what does that make us? We're his subjects, right? Uh, We are under the king. This is huge because a lot of people call themselves Christian, but do not recognize Jesus as the Lord of their life. That doesn't make any sense. Saying, Jesus, I believe that you rule over everything heavens and the earth every, uh, all of it every person everything but not my life great that doesn't that just does not make any sense like you can you can you can have your say into how uh, you know all the world works you know you control control everything but but i don't i don't think you quite have enough to 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 rule my life that doesn't make any sense at all and honestly, for people who live that way, I'd seriously question whether they're actually followers of Christ. It doesn't sound like they're following Christ to me. Uh, and I ain't mean. I'm just focused. Okay, I'm being real here. If Jesus is king, that should dictate how you live. Like for real. That just—that's just logic. That's not even an opinion. Let's see what Jesus had to say about this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is why a lot of people go to church for a little while or even grew up in church and they have this to say about it. It just didn't really work for me. And that's an an idea I've heard quite a few times, maybe phrased slightly differently, but it's that idea is, you know, I did the church thing or the God thing and it just didn't really work for me. That's because they were trying to adopt Christian behavior in order to get God to work for them. That's not the point. The point isn't getting God to work for you. A lot of people live as though going to church or being a good person is a means of manipulating God into giving them what they want, including salvation. You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna do all these Christian things to kind of like twist God's arm so that he'll make my life the way that I want it to be. And that works for them. And they're totally good with God. They're a Christian. They follow God until life doesn't go how they want it to. And then they're mad at God because God didn't hold up his end of the deal. No, 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 no. Jesus is king. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is king. Not me. Not you. Not any other person. None of us are king. Jesus is king. Living this way makes you the king and Jesus the subject. All right, that is backwards. And it's never going to work. It may look like it works for a little while just because life happens to be convenient. And then as soon as life gets hard again, people, uh, well, you know, that. Christian thing didn't really work for me it's because the whole time they were just trying to get God to work for them. He's the ruler. We're the subjects. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, we worship God because he is our God, not the other way around. Now, I really want to challenge you to evaluate. In what areas of your life have you been living as though you're the ruler and God's the subject? Because this sneaks in. It sounds huge. It sounds like I would never do that. But it sneaks in there. It sneaks into our lives. Uh, Maybe it's in your theology, uh, your belief about God. Have you ever had the thought, you know, this thought of, I could never, like, love God or serve God, uh, serve a God who dot, dot, dot. And the line after that, Is not something explicitly stated in the Bible. I think people have these thoughts a lot. They think, surely God's not like this or like that. Uh, And then they make presumptions about God, who God is His character, based off of their own life experiences and morals. And when we do that, we're literally putting ourselves as king in God as somebody who should be dictated by our ideas. I heard somebody do this once uh, out loud. And uh, it was uh, very interesting, I'll say. Uh, they said, I could never love a God who didn't let pets into heaven. Uh, and it was from a, a, a pulpit that this was said. And that just is a striking statement to make because I have never read that in the Bible. You know? So that that's kind of a, a silly example but it's a very dangerous thought that can really creep into our minds when we, we make presumptions about our own ability to reason or to be more just uh, or to be more righteous than the king it just it just doesn't work uh, or maybe uh, maybe it's in something in your life there's something's in your life that you know shouldn't be there and you know God, God would rather that not be in your life. But you really like whatever that is. And so as long as you don't think about it too hard, you don't feel guilty very often because you're like, ah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not really hurting anybody. God's loving and forgiving, you know. So he totally understands. Stop. As soon as you think, surely God understands. Who are you making the subject? God, you're bending God to your will. You're saying, this is how I'm going to do life. And God had better understand because this is just the way it is. That's what you're actually saying to God. Unlike the t-shirts say, like Jesus is not your homeboy, all right? Maybe that's before your time. There's this really big t-shirt movement. Jesus is my homeboy, all right? That's just an inaccurate picture because it's such a small picture. Jesus is our friend, and he is simultaneously our Lord and King and ruler of everything. So it's awesome that Jesus calls himself our friend. That is incredible. It needs to be seen in the light of Jesus being the King. Then that really makes Jesus saying he's our friend even more punchy. That should have more significance, not less. So it's probably a idea that most people in this room agree with. You're probably sitting here being like, oh yeah, no, like, Totally agree with you, Cody. Um, I'm on board, on page, for sure. But, like, what does it actually mean? Like, how, I, I kind of highlight some things it's, it's not. But what does that look like in life? So I'm just going to share, like, what this has looked like for me in my life. I grew up calling myself a Christian um, my whole life, called myself a Christian. Um, but I did not recognize Jesus as king of my life. Jesus was not The ruler, the Lord of my life. I really, I called myself a Christian, but really what I was saying was I understood what it meant to be a Christian, is what I, what now I can recognize what was going on. If doing Bible things or Christian things like going to church, reading your Bible, being nice, not killing people between Sundays, like is what it takes, I was, I was doing pretty well. I was okay. If that's what makes you a Christian, then sure, I was a Christian. But that isn't what makes you a Christian. And I wasn't. I was not a follower of Christ. I was super into doing Christiany things. And I learned to smile a lot. Uh, uh, and to no fault of the church I grew up in or the people around me at all, um, that was it. That's as, that's as far as being a Christian meant to me. Is I knew what it meant to be a Christian. And I agreed. And I tried to be a nice person. It's kind of ironic I was, cause I was so into doing Christian things, uh, I went on a missions trip. I'm a good Christian. I'm gonna go on a mission trip, help some orphans. Like this is great. Like, it's a good idea. I still think that's an awesome idea. But uh, my motive was just because that's kind of what that's kind of what you do. So I went on a, a missions trip to Egypt uh, to work on an orphanage for the summer. And while I was there, I had a really difficult time. Uh, I'm not gonna share the whole story. I'm gonna share a couple highlights because they're kind of funny. Uh, Now looking back, they were not funny at the time. So I had some real relational problems and had some real big health problems while I was there. So relational problems. I had a physical altercation with another guy on my team. Uh, There was a plot among some of the orphans who were in high school to kill me at one point during the summer. Uh, Like legit, it was stopped. Um, The attempt was stopped before it got to me. Um, Thank you, God. And uh, and then health. Uh, I got there about the same like size and weight I am now. Uh, and when I left, I was a little over thirty five pounds lighter. Uh, so I was I was really skin and bone. Uh, I didn't have much meat on me by the end there. I had some some major health problems um, while there that kind of continued to plague me after I got back. Actually, that's another story for another time. the The summary was that I had a hard summer. And what happened was I went from agreeing with the idea of God, from waving my Jesus ticket saying, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to cash this in when I die until then I'm just going to keep it in my pocket. That's kind of all Jesus was to me. Uh, And that summer I really needed God's help. And so I I prayed and I asked him, I was like, God, like I don't need you just when I die uh, to get into heaven. Like I need you today. And kind of to my surprise, God really showed up. I don't really know what I was expecting, but I do remember being surprised when God really showed up for me in a very real way. Uh, and he really helped me through that summer. So to summarize, what really happened was I started following Jesus that summer. I recognized his rightful place as king, as, as Lord of my life. Then I started following him that summer, following Christ. And my life has not been the same since. It was about 11 years ago. Uh, going on 12 and my life really hasn't been the same since which leads me to the next point which is God loves us too much to let us live the same as we did before God loves us too much to let us live the same as we did before Romans twelve two says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is what is good and acceptable and perfect. A lot of people seem to have the misconception that God is up in heaven, just kind of tucked away and waiting to, to see us in heaven one day. And then he's going to talk to us and be like, wow, like you were just fumbling through life. Like you were just, that was rough, right? Like good thing you're in heaven now because that was, that was not a great performance your whole life there on, your whole life there on earth. Like bummer, dude. Um, that's so inaccurate. That is not, that is not at all, uh, how God is. Uh, he wants us to follow him actively and he wants us to live the most purpose-filled, joy-filled life possible starting now because he loves us. Check out this cool quote. It's from Jesus. So, you know, it's going to be cool. Um, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. If you could circle with me here, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus told you, okay? So stop being surprised. He told you, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So many people think that being a Christian is about following a set of rules, that's, that is probably one of the most common ideas uh, that people have when, I, when I'm talking to people about Jesus, is they just think Christianity is just about, there's a set of rules, you got to follow it. So maybe one day when they're desperate enough, they'll, they'll follow those rules. But in the meantime, it's, it's not really worth it. It's so, so far from the truth. And it's so shallow, I think. Like Christianity is just a set of rules. Because what it is, is so far beyond that. It's so much more than that. And that's not even the foundation. That's not even the starting point. The starting point is based on trust. It's the, the starting point is based on the person who you trust in, and that is Jesus. I trust Jesus. If there's one person I can trust, it's Jesus, okay? The person that died that I might have eternal life there's one person I can trust in my life, that's the person I'm going to trust. I couldn't even do that for myself. He's more trustworthy than I am. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus Died for you. Straight up. Jesus died for you. Your heavenly king died so you could experience life to the fullest starting now. And reaching on into forever. Spending eternity with him. That's why he died. Let that sink in. Jesus is king of everything. Jesus died for you. That that is crazy. That is crazy to me. So, you see why I'm convinced that God loves you. What we've read already and what you can read all throughout scriptures is that God loves you too much to let you keep doing life on your own. God loves you too much to let you keep living the same life you were living before. He wants to make your life better starting now. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Honestly, I just put that verse in there because every time I read it, it blows my mind. Every time I read this verse, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace. I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. When you don't live out of trust in God, you'll end up handling a lot of hard things in life on your own. That God never intended for you to handle on your own. Jesus made a way for us to have peace with God. That, again, that's just crazy to me. I know all the bad things I've done. I know all the bad thoughts I've had this week, you know, let alone my whole life. All the mistakes I've made, all the people I've hurt everything. All the times I've been ungrateful for people and things and blessings God's brought into my life and things that people have done for me. God knows all of it. And Jesus made a way for me to have peace with the perfect, holy, omniscient, omnipresent, everywhere, forever, for always, God, who created every single molecule in existence. That is wild to me. And he wants to help me through the troubles in life. Here's the, here's an interesting thing about this. It's not only God doesn't just want to be there with us through troubles. He actually wants to help us avoid trouble in life. Again, that goes into God loves you too much to let you keep living the same way that you have been because you'll face unnecessary difficulties in life when you aren't actively following God. Proverbs 28:26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. So sometimes we just do dumb things, right? Like, can I get an amen on that? Like, <laughs> like, that just is the truth. We do dumb things and get ourselves into trouble. That is how life works. Um, so continuing my story, happened over the summer in Egypt. I was trying to follow God after that. You know, I really, it was kind of one big step I took. And I started trying to take, you know, small like daily steps to grow closer to God. And I was kind of fumbling around with it, but um, still was, had a whole new relationship with God than I'd had my entire life before that point. Then, about six months later, uh, I did something real dumb. Not that surprising. Uh, I was snow skiing and I got in a really bad accident uh, and I broke over 20 bones, uh, including 10 ribs, popped my right lung, jacked my shoulder up real bad, had to have surgery to repair it. I have a metal plate in there now. And the worst part was I broke my neck. Uh, and the most consistent phrase I kept hearing from doctors, because I saw like a handful of specialists, um, and the most consistent thing, they like read my chart, and they look up at me, look down at my chart, look up at me. And they'd be like, okay, I was in a wheelchair, because I also crushed my pelvis like and broke it and over like 20 places. <laughs> so I, I was in a wheelchair, <laughs> and they'd be like, but you're going to be able to walk, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 They're like, you shouldn't. Like, you should be dead. At best, at best, paralyzed from the neck down. That's why I told. Uh, multiple different doctors on, like, throughout the next several months told me that. That exact same thing. They said, you should, you should be dead. Or, like, on, on the bright, you know, silver lining or paralyzed from the neck down. Um, so I did something real dumb that happened. Here's the thing: If I had been really wise, you know, uh, I think I could have avoided the whole problem in the first place. But God helped me walk through that accident and the recovery from that. And I don't know because I was following God at that point. But I really, to tell you the truth, I'm—I would have been really concerned for myself if I wasn't trusting in Jesus when I got in that accident, because I don't think I would be where I am today or anywhere close. I think I really would have come out of that experience a much more bitter person. Um, It was really hard for me. It was just a hard time physically and emotionally and socially. It just caused a lot of problems. It was difficult. It was a big trial in my life. And God helped me walk through it. That's the thing. I am so, so thankful. I don't think it's an accident God stepped into my life the summer before that happened. Because I don't think I would have come out the other side of, of a better person. But because he was with me and helped me through that that experience, I, mean, I came out the other side humbled, and I came out the other side really ready to grow closer to God because it humbled me. I'm going through that. I wasn't perfect. Okay, I had a bad attitude sometimes, but <laughs> but on a general note, I was really humbled by that experience, and it really helped me uh, grow and grow closer to God. So that kind of leads me on because the the biggest thing, the reason why that. how God helped me was he helped me to trust Jesus through that process. The last point here is if I trust Jesus with my forever, I should trust Jesus with my today. Okay, grammar Nazis, don't hate me. Like I know that's rough. But every time I think about this idea, this is an idea that kind of haunts me in a good way, okay? Um, It's one of those ideas that keeps coming back to me and has been for several years now on a pretty consistent basis, if I say I trust Jesus, and I I do, I trust Jesus with my forever, right? I trust him for my salvation, being in heaven forever with God. I should trust Jesus with my today. This is just the logical conclusion of everything I've talked about up until this point. That's it. It just makes sense. If you're here tonight and you're already a Christian, and even if you heard everything I've said a hundred times, you might be sitting here thinking, yep, heard that before. I agree. Mm-hmm, for sure. Cool verse. Interesting story. Like you might be tracking with me right there. That's okay. That's cool. Uh, not offended. But I really want you to listen to this. Saying you're a Christian means you trust Jesus for the eternal well-being of your soul and you have nothing you possess nothing more valuable than that. So you are saying the eternal well-being of your soul, like, here you go, Jesus. Like, trust you with that. So if you can trust him with that, then, and yet you don't, I don't know how to say this, like, in a way, like, it's so, it's so important to get this. If I trust him, with the internal well-being of my soul it is such a small task to trust him with my moment to moment life on a daily basis the troubles i face the the temptations i face are such a small thing compared to the weight and the significance of trusting him with my forever like that it should be it should be nothing in comparison so when i'm i'm struggling to believe that his way is the better way of life all I really think is, if I can trust him with my forever, surely I can trust him with this thing, this trial I'm going through, this relational conflict, you know, this temptation to, to cheat on this quiz. It's like, like, if you really trust Jesus with your forever, you should surely trust him with this little scenario you're facing right now. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Salvation is free because Jesus paid. For it. And then God provides you the blessing of having the author of life, the king of all, come in and personally direct you through life. So, a quick, uh, like a practical application for this point I want to give you is uh, after that point in my life, so that skiing accident happened at the beginning of January. That summer, I started meeting with Paul, and he started to disciple me, which just means we were meeting up on a weekly basis, and he was helping me uh, to grow, and that really, really helped me a lot to put this into action. I believed it. I believed that I trusted Jesus with my forever, and I wanted to trust him with my now, but I was having a hard time putting that into motion, and so he started investing in me and helping me uh, and really spurring me on to live out My faith in practical ways throughout my days and my weeks. And that helped me tremendously. So if you have the opportunity to do that, if you have the opportunity to have somebody invest in you personally, please don't take it for granted because you're only going to get out of that relationship what you put into it. And so I really would encourage you, that's a very practical way to apply this point to your life. Either pursue somebody to be investing in you who's you know, closer to God than you, or if someone already is investing in you, just try to take it really seriously and be, be teachable and go with questions. Think about your week. Think about what you want to do to trust God more with your now and ask them about it. Ask them about ideas they have of how you can do that better. And my other idea, my other practical application for this is to spend time with God every day. Like it is wild to me that I can spend God, spend time with God, like the king. I can spend t- time with Jesus the king anytime I want to. That's crazy. Like I can't even do that with like our governor or like president or mayor of Chico or anybody substantial and authority figure. Like I couldn't do that with anybody. But I can do that with the king of all. So don't take that for granted. And again, that might be a thing you've been told so many times. Maybe that's a new concept to you. If so, like you should be awestruck by that and want to go do it. If you've been, in, or you've heard that over and over and over your whole life, it might have lost a little bit of its flavor. It might have lost a little bit of its significance. So I just encourage you, like, recognize the significance. That's insane. The God of the universe and your personal savior wants to spend time with you tomorrow morning. Like, are you gonna stand him up? I I really would encourage you not to. So I'm gonna end on this quote here. I love this quote. It says, the great miracle of redemption is not that we accept Christ, but that he accepts us. If you're here tonight and you've never taken that first step of putting Jesus in his rightful place in your life, I'm really inviting you to do that right now, if you're really feeling prompted, you're like, I've never really taken that first step of trust, saying, I'm going to trust Jesus with my forever and with my right now. I want to I invite you to do that because Jesus is king. That's just a fact. And he died for every wrong thing you've ever done and will ever do. Jesus is king and he died for you. And he invites you to turn away from your former way of doing life and trust him. And receive the blessing of helping, of receiving his help of walking through your life for the rest of your life. So if that's where you're at, or if maybe one of the previous things I've talked about has really hit you, I really want to challenge you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray to close us, but I want to challenge you to, to spend some time praying to God. Um, so we can all kind of pray together. You can just pray in your head. I'm going to pray out loud. But just to take a moment with God and, and sort through anything that you really feel like he wants to, he wants to sort through with you right now. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you care so much. God, I thank you that you you are so in control of everything. And even when I feel out of control or my life feels out of control, you are not caught off guard by anything. You know everything that's going to happen. And you even want to help us and to prepare us to be ready for things that are coming up in our life that we can't see around the corner. I pray that you'd please help all of us to recognize the significance of what it means that Jesus is King. I ask that you would please help us to live every day aggressively pursuing you and aggressively pursuing to follow you out of trust and out of love and out of a response to what you've already done for us. I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.